This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. One of our favorite shows today, our guest Sean Mercer from the Social Security Administration is with us remotely to take your questions. Get your calls and emails in early. This tends to be a popular and busy show. Our expert hosts are on hand, ready to answer any personal finance questions you have. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. Nancy, we always like to start out with you and give you first crack at uh, financial news in the news. Well, the big announcement this morning um, has to do with those folks who have student loans. And so we've had a moratorium on uh, collections on student loans that was set to go through the end of the year. It has been extended for one month, so it will go through the end of January 2021. There are 37 million people now who have stopped making payments. This gives them a reprieve and a little extra money in their pocket for Christmas. Does it have any effect on the ability to hand out more student loans? I don't believe so. Not at this point, no. All right. Uh, FICO, the credit score company, is having a webinar, and the Mississippi Council on Economic Education has teamed up to teach us about our credit score and allow each of us to sign up for free one-on-one counseling from a local nonprofit credit counselor. The invited guest to the webinar is Congressman Benny Thompson, U.S. Representative for our 2nd District. MPB Social Media will post the link to sign up, and that same link will be on this show's information page. After you register, you'll get the link to the webinar, which will be held from noon until 1.15 tomorrow. Good morning, Ryder. What's uh, on your mind, financially speaking? Uh, good morning. Uh, first, I'd just like to say I think that credit uh, seminar, I think a lot of uh, folks will find that interesting. We always get a lot of questions about credit, credit scores, what all does this mean, um, and it's it's a very complicated subject, so having someone to kind of help guide you through is always helpful. Um, one thing I've been looking at recently is, you know, since um, all, all this year, you know, what an, an interesting topic has been uh, price of goods and inflation. And, you know, inflation is has uh, bounced back from, uh, you know, in the beginning of the year as people stopped spending very suddenly, uh, prices did decline. But as things got harder to find, prices started increasing again. And inflation expectations are just kind of creeping up and creeping up. They're a little higher, actually, than they may have been uh, last year. So uh, possibly a little bit of uh, expectations of a heating up economy. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our guest today is Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. Sean, always good to visit with you. Thanks again for being with us today. Well, it's great to be on today, and hopefully we'll be able to answer some questions for our audience and uh, uh, cover some good topics that will be of interest to all our listeners. As we mentioned, it tends to be busy, so we encourage folks to call in early. And do we do have an early caller on the line. Uh, let's invite uh, Dan from Meridian. Dan, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. 
my question is not uh, Social Security related, but I do have a question for the investment experts there. Uh, uh, what do you what what kind of feedback can you give me on structured product as a as a portion of your uh, investment uh, for retirement? Um, yeah. Uh, so, Dan, uh, first, I would just like to say that uh, it's either the SEC or FINRA or both. They have a special section on their website, a warning about structured products. Um, so I want to start off with a warning about structured products. Um, so in general, a lot of these are, uh, say, uh, we will give you you know, the return of the S&P 500, but you're not going to lose more than 10% or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe you'll get twice the return of this stock, uh, but you can't lose more than X percent. Um, and so, you know, banks offer these because they have clients on the other side who are structuring a weird trade or something. And they are able to they're able to structure something in such a way that they can make it sound appealing to a retail investor. Um, oftentimes, what you end up is either limiting your return a lot more than you uh, anticipate, or you know the risk is a lot more than they the kind of marketing products put out there. Uh, if you are looking at those seriously, I would suggest read all of the fine print, all probably 300 pages of it, um, and and just to see you know what are the real risks out there. Um, a lot of times, you know, for someone who is putting these things together, again, these are these can be immensely complicated products. For someone who's putting these things together, they know a lot more about how the market is expected to work uh, than the folks they're selling them to. Um, I generally do not advise them. Um, and, and you often see us uh, talk about similar structures on other products, such as insurance products, annuities, et cetera. I see. Uh, no, that's a great uh, advice. I appreciate that. Uh, Nancy, what is your take, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I agree with Ryder, and I'll echo this idea of what happens is people are sold on the idea that they're going to get to participate in market growth, but they're going to limit their risk. And we always go back to, you know, risk and reward are connected. And what happens most of the time when you read the fine print, you see how very limited that exposure is to participation in those upside returns. And uh, you, you're giving away a lot. And more often than not, we see them inside of annuities, and they have all kinds of other um, extra things layered on, longer surrender charges, um, loss of that participation if you start to take money out beyond what they allow. So it's very limiting. Again, I would say, just like Ryder said, be very careful. Read all the details. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Dan. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Sean, we're going to start with a Social Security-related email, and it says, Good morning. I'm hoping you retire at age 62. That will only be a couple of years away. I understand that it might be advisable to wait a few months after my birthday in order to gain a little extra retirement income from Social Security. Is there a way to find out when the optimal time would be for me to retire at age 62? Okay, good question from our uh, emailer there. And million-dollar question there, when is the best time to retire is going to depend on the financial situation that Nancy and Ryder could probably go over best with 
the whole picture. With us, we're just concentrating on what the Social Security benefits are going to be. Hopefully, our listeners out there have other means of income that play into their total financial package. But when you're looking at Social Security, there's a lot of uh, tools available on our website at socialsecurity.gov. There's an estimator on there that can go in and give someone uh, really close estimates about what they would receive at whatever time they chose, be it 62, 62 in four months, 62 in six months. The good thing about turning 62 is that individual can choose to pull the trigger, per se, at any time he or she wishes to, as long as they're willing to reduce their earnings from wages or net self-employment. So the question that we have there is no real answer to that. The optimal uh, time for someone to retire is going to be whatever fits their personal financial situation. And we're not financial advisors at Social Security. We just want all of our customers to understand what their benefits would be and then plug those benefits into their total financial package to decide when would be the best time for them to take their benefits. Uh, Would there be greater benefits if someone waited, as you said, four months after they turned 62 as opposed to right on their birthday? Each month that an individual waits, their uh, benefits are going to increase. Uh, approximately a half to three-quarters of, of a percent per month. And so they can use that uh, retirement estimator and plug in those different dates and see exactly how much it's going to uh, you know, increase. So, yes, there is an advantage to waiting because you do take a reduced benefit at age 62 versus your full retirement age versus age 70. And in that answer to that is different for every one of our listeners because for some people it may be 62 is the best time and for other uh, listeners it may be age 70 is their best time so we just want the individual to understand use the tools that are available to them on our website at socialsecurity.gov and find out what would be the best time for them to choose when to draw benefits very good If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're discussing Social Security with friend of the show, Sean Mercer. Where can you find more Social Security information in addition to their website? We'll have that information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. 
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer from Social Security, and just about every day at Social Security tweets out a tip or fact to help you better understand the government agency. So you might want to check Twitter for some additional information about Social Security. And before we get back into things, Sean, we called you friend of the program, and that certainly is the case. I always appreciate you coming on here and giving really concise uh, information that's easy for listeners to understand. We've been doing this what seems like almost about 10 years, I guess. It has been a long time, and we've had a lot of uh, callers through the years, and hopefully that we try to keep a complicated subject uh, interesting and informative. Uh, as I've said on the show many times, not everybody has one job, one marriage, and lives happily ever after to retirement. There's a lot of if, ands, and buts that go into that, death, disability, and so we try to cover a a variety of issues on the show, and hopefully today will be the same. All right. You know, we all know how important it is to safeguard our Social Security number and our information, but we also know there are many people out there trying to get that information for nefarious purposes. So what uh, should someone do if they get a call claiming, quote, there's a problem with your Social Security number or account? Simply hang up. These calls are rampant. Um, we address it on our website. Our Office of Inspector General is diligently working, trying to stop. Um, most of the calls do originate from another country, and so it may be difficult for them to trace them. And local people will say, no, it's a, it shows up as a Jackson prefix or a Tupelo prefix or a Biloxi prefix. And with today's technology, I guess they're able to do some things like that. But uh, Social Security will never call and threaten you. Um, your, been a, your number has not been suspended. We uh, most often send you a letter unless we're dealing with you about a specific situation or subject, and we would be calling you then. But uh, the best advice I could give is very simple. If you get the call and it pretends to be from Social Security, hang up. If we're needing to contact you, we can mail you something. Usually we're dealing with you already on um, various issues. We have your mailing address and things like that. So um, simply hang up. Uh, what about an email? Does Social Security ever just email someone out of the blue? We do have an emailer program, and since COVID, we are using that more. But usually that is for people who are already receiving benefits, and we are already discussing issues with them where we may email them a reminder about an appointment that they have already scheduled. We may email them a form. We may email them a call-in letter. So usually those are situations where we're already dealing with an individual. Uh, if it is something that we need to get in contact, there again, they can always call their local office and double-check that. But most of the time, the emailer does come from Social Security for someone we are already dealing with on a specific situation or they have filed a claim with us 
and we are emailing them a confirmation about an appointment. You know, one thing I've tried to learn to do is when I get these phishing scams is to ignore it. And it's it's interesting because it's always something that they make you want to re- urgently react to. Someone is using your credit card for a large amount or whatever. Uh, what I've learned to try to do, though, is stay calm and then independently contact whoever's trying to, you know, the, the credit card company or whatever, uh, to verify what, what uh, you've got in an email or a text message and that sort of thing. So, Sean, could that uh, be the same way you would go to the Social Security website and, again, maybe try to contact your local office to make sure and see if it's legitimate? That is correct. On our website, we have an office locator. You can simply put in your zip code, and it will give you your local office, the uh, 22 or 23 offices we have here in Mississippi, from Tupelo all the way down to Gulfport and all the ones in between. And so by them simply putting in their zip code, it will give them the local number of their office in their district, and they can call that number from 9 to 4, Monday through Friday, and we have people answering those phones all day, every day, and they can just double-check and see if there's anything going on with with um, their, their situation. But for most of the time, when we send an email, it's for something that we are dealing with for an individual. It's just not out of the blue or anything. Someone has a a claim or an appeal or a change uh, for something in with their Social Security benefits. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your website. It's ssa.gov, and this kind of uh, goes back to our first email, but uh, talk about the retirement estimator for us. Okay, it's a great tool. Again, socialsecurity.gov, and while we're on our our email or our, so our website address, any federal agency that you're dealing with is always going to end with .gov, IRS.gov, Medicare.gov, whatever the case may be. So Social Security or SSA.gov, either one of those will get you to our website. And on there, as you mentioned, we do have a retirement estimator. It's a great tool. I can go in and uh, put in my specific information. It'll ask for some very personal, identifiable information. It is a secure website. And I can put that I want to retire, as our first emailer indicated on here, at age 62, or that I wanted to wait. I'm going to work part-time during my retirement. Will that increase my benefit? So there's a lot of uh, different scenarios that you can put in with the estimator, and that it can give someone some very uh, close estimates to what their benefits would be if they choose to draw their benefits at that time based on the information that they're giving us. And a lot of people may ask, well, you know, why is it an estimator? Why can't I get exactly what I'm going to draw? As I mentioned earlier on the show, not everybody has one job, one marriage, and just lives happily ever after. This estimator is going to get you close. There may be some earnings out there that we have not posted yet from last year that may increase your benefits. You may be going to continue to work in retirement. So there's some if, ands, and buts that go along with that. But the closer you are to your retirement age, the very, uh, I guess, would be closer the estimate is going to be for you because we have more information from your record to be able to pull from. Another great tool that we have is a My Social Security account, again, available on our website. All of our listeners need one of those, even for those of us like our, that are on the show today that are not receiving benefits, we can go in, get that My Social Security account, and I get one email a year from Social Security that says it's been 12 months since I accessed my account. I can go in, make sure my earnings are posted, look and see what my estimated benefits are going to be. I could order a replacement Social Security card. 
So there's a lot of things that we can do, even though we're not receiving benefits. So all of our listeners out there, it would be great to have one of those, and we don't bombard you with emails or anything. As I say, I get one email a year that just reminds me it's been 12 months to check my account. Usually I've forgotten my PIN and password and have to ask for that replacement, <laughs> things like that. But for people out there who are already receiving benefits, there's a lot more that you can do. You can change your direct deposit, change your mailing address, get a replacement 1099. So it, I say it works more like a online banking that you have with your financial institution, and it's just a way for you to control your benefits a little safer way because once someone accesses that account, they send you an email, and if you were not accessing your Social Security account, someone could have hacked it. They would send you an email to let you know. But other than that, you have control over your benefits. So two different situations there for a My Social Security account, someone that has um, started receiving benefits, and then for those of us out there who have not received or not receiving benefits, a My Social Security account is great for either one. This is Money Talks, and we're visiting with Social Security District Manager Sean Mercer. If you have a question for Sean or a question for Nancy or Ryder, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Sean, the other day I was with a friend of mine, and I noticed that he was carrying around his Social Security card in his wallet, and I didn't think that was too good of a good idea. Talk to you, if you would, about securing the actual Social Security card. That is exactly right, Kevin. Even though the card is made... In the, full, in the size of a credit card or driver's license, it should not be carried around. The only time you have to actually show the card, usually, is to obtain a job, and your employer may want to see that so that they can make sure they get all your information correct to uh, turn into the IRS for your tax purposes, or if you open up a new account with a financial institution. Other than that, you probably don't need the actual card, you may need your number. There again, you need to decide who you're going to give that number out to for various reasons. If I'm going to purchase an automobile and I'm going to ask for credit, I may want to give them my Social Security number so that I can get a good credit uh, deal, a good credit interest rate on my, my, my car that I'm purchasing. But other than that, carrying that Social Security card around is not very good practice. And especially for our moms out there who may not only have their card, but also have the card for all the children in their wallet or purse. And something happens, that purse gets stolen or uh, misplaced, and they lose not only their Social Security card, but also the card for their children. I would suggest that, hey, if I needed the numbers, I could always write the numbers down in the order of birth and have them. So if somebody steals that, they don't have a name and a date of birth to go with it. There is a Social Security number there, but I've lessened my chances of that number being out there in the public with all the information on there or a very valid Social Security card that has an actual number on it that may be uh, put in the hands of an individual who could use that in the, in the improper way. So do not carry your Social Security card with you only for those times that you need it, and other than that, keep it up at a safe place at your home or in a lock box or wherever you choose to. I always like to look at mine every once in a while to see what my 12-year-old uh, handwriting looked like and how differently my name has changed, at least the way I write it over uh, those 50 or so years later. Uh, let's uh, get a call in before our first break, and it's Jeannie and Jackson. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I have a question. I am, uh, and this is a Social Security question, 
Uh, starting February, I will start uh, getting Social Security. Uh, when I talked with the young man, he gave me an estimate of what I would get, but I thought he told me it would not uh, contain my earnings from this year, Social Security that was taken out of the earnings for this year. I just wondered, uh, will it change once they have those earnings, or is the estimate that I got the estimate that will be what I will be receiving? Okay, good question. And. The earnings for this year are not posted yet, so 2020 will be posted depending on when your employer turns them in, in 2021, and with uh, electronic reporting, that happens usually pretty quick. It could happen in the first uh, several months of the year, uh, and that could increase your benefits. And the reason I say it could increase, because depending on what you made in 2020, we, when you start retirement benefits, we use your highest 35 years of earnings. Actually, we look at your highest 40, drop your five lowest, and use your high 35. So if what you earned in 2020 is one of your highest 35 years, it could increase your benefits above the estimate that you were given. So you could see a slight increase. And the reason I say a slight increase is because it's only one thirty-fifth of the computation. And you say, well, I know it's going to be, I'm, they're going to use it because I made a lot more in 2020 than I did in 1980. Well, you can't really look at it in numerical numbers to see what's the highest 35. Because the further you go back in time, $20,000 in, in 1980 may be the equivalent of $60,000 in 2020. So they apply an indexing factor to for those earnings that are in the past. So it's a little complicated, but in most instances, that last year's earnings does increase your benefit slightly, but it's only you know a few dollars a month. But you should get a letter when those earnings post, and we do check that. Uh, the computer does that automatically, even if you continue to work past retirement age, and it may increase your benefits slightly for the years that you have extra earnings added to your computation. Thank you. Thanks for your call. We're discussing Social Security benefits. You know, one of the fun facts on the Social Security website, ssa.gov, is the list of the top 10 baby names. We'll tell you what was popular in 2019 next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly, we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out, and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is Money Talks, MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're visiting today with uh, Sean Mercer from Social Security, taking your Social Security calls and also looking for personal finance questions. From SSA.gov, for males, the top three names of 2019 were Liam, Noah, and Oliver. Top three female names, Olivia, Emma, and Ava. So if you had twins, I guess you could go with Oliver and Olivia. Uh, On that website, you can also see the change in popularity by decade and by state. So for Mississippi, top names in 2019 were William, Noah, James. And then for ladies, Ava, Olivia, and Emma. Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, Kevin, Ryder, Nancy, and Sean were not names in the top 50 in Mississippi in 2019. Although William is my middle name, so I guess that's uh, something to go on. Uh, we've got some phone calls to get to, so let's start again with uh, Elwood in in Jackson. Elwood, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I just got married, and my wife needs to change her name on her Social Security card and her driver's license. Just need to know what does she need to do to make that change? Is there a document or something? Uh, can she come in and do it? And what does it cost? Okay, uh, great question. And there is an easy way for uh, her to be able to mail those uh, that replacement Social Security card uh, to the, her local office. Probably the easiest thing for her to mail is in, is the application for marriage license that she uh, can get from the local uh, courthouse and uh, mail that along with the form SS-5 and the application for marriage license and the SS-5 can be mailed to her local office and that can get her name changed on her social security card. And for driver's license, you would need to uh, contact the Driver's License Bureau can't answer your question there, but for Social Security, with a name change, the application for marriage license is probably the easiest thing. That is stamped and certified by the uh, uh, circuit court person there in the county where you all got married. Uh, If there's not a name change for our callers out there who are listening, having a My Social Security account and a valid Mississippi driver's license is the easiest way for a individual to change their or get a replacement Social Security card. And is there any cost? There is no cost associated with getting a replacement Social Security card. There are 10 in a lifetime. It's not something we want to do all the time. And yes, believe me, we do see people who have burned through those 10, and then we have to go through a few extra steps to be able to try to replace their card. So as we mentioned earlier before the break, let's put that card up in a safe place and uh, you can have it when you need it. All right, Elwood, congratulations, and uh, thanks for giving us a call. Let's move on next. Here's uh, Mike from Vicksburg. Good morning, Mike. You're on the air. Hello. Yeah, Mike, go ahead. You're on the air with us. 
Yeah, I had two questions. One, um, when you go to the doctor, they ask for your Social Security number. Is that um, something that they can do, or can you just give them the last four numbers? Good question there, Mike, and some people do ask for those, and so I give mine to my doctor. They have information there stored, so that needs to be a decision that you make. Some have gone to the last four, and some still have the required, you know, the uh, complete number, but uh, that is between you and where you want to have your medical treatment. So, yes, they can ask that, and some do ask for all of it or just the last four. Okay. Then I had another question. This is... Uh concerning social security disability if you um, become disabled and you have a minor child that uh, is collecting child support does that child benefit um, give credit toward the child support payment that is a question you would need to ask someone in the legal profession. Sometimes it does or does not. I don't know how that may be set up with your personal situation, but the situation that Mike is talking about there is most of us work and pay in enough to insure ourselves for disability, and then we also may continue to work and insure a family member, which would be children under the age of 18, and then uh, the situation here, let's say Mike was drawing benefits, and then he had a child that was also drawing auxiliary benefits off of his record. So most everyone does that, but there could be an instance where you have not paid in enough to draw the auxiliary benefits for the child. So again, with your specific question there, Mike, you would need to contact your, uh, your attorneys and see how that may be counted. Well, I'm saying that uh, the child is getting a benefit from Social Security. Yes, sir, and that is fine. But whether or not they count that as your child support payment, that's, we can't answer that. The child will draw those benefits regardless of whether it's counted as child support payments or not because that's based on what you worked and paid in. But to answer your question specifically, we don't know that if it suffices for your child support payment or not. Okay, because I, I would say if you're not working due to disability, it seemed like it would. Right. They can answer those questions better. I appreciate your call, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Uh, good to hear from you. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, as we mentioned, in addition to Social Security, your agency also does handle disability claims and Medicare sign-up. If you would, maybe, Sean, tell us a little bit about the basics of uh, disability benefits. When you're looking at disability benefits, it's always based on what an individual has worked and paid in up until the time he or she became disabled. And uh, our dis definition of disability is a little bit different than what it may be in the private sector that you may have with a private disability policy or through an employer. Ours is an injury or illness that's expected to last for 12 consecutive months or end in your death. So if I'm in a auto accident today and I'm really severely injured, but the prognosis is that I may be back in the workforce in 10 months after three surgeries and a couple of months worth of rehab, then my disability claim would probably be denied because I'm not expected to be out for 12 consecutive months or longer. 
so a lot of people don't really understand the definition of disability and what all goes into, into that. Uh, there are some automatic approvals for disability. We have some compassion allowances that are available on our website. Uh, there are very serious medical conditions that usually, unfortunately, are going to end in death, and so those are some things that are on there. But a lot of us may have different disabilities. Age, education, and previous work history play a part in how a disability decision may be approved or denied. So uh, Kevin and I could have the exact same medical condition, but our age, education, and previous work history is vastly different. That may be two different decisions on the same medical condition for individuals that file for disability. So really a complicated issue there uh, actually depends on the circumstances of the individual that's applying and their age, education, and previous work history. Our website at socialsecurity.gov or ssa.gov has a lot of information that may uh, uh, enlighten some people on that. And uh, so I would suggest that they you know, visit that and see, and it is based on what you have worked and paid in up until the date that you become disabled. All right, got another caller on the line. This time we say good morning to Sarah in Clinton. Sarah, go ahead, please. Hi. So when I got married, I got my name changed with the Social Security Department, and they sent me a new card that says my new name. But when I file my taxes, they say that the name is not correct. And the Mississippi, when I got my driver's license changed, they said I had too many names. So how do I find out what's wrong and fix it? Well, whatever your name is, what we have on your record is probably what they're going by. And as we get more computer, I guess, sophisticated or integrated, however you want to say, we see the problem that you're talking about, Sarah, on a daily basis because your name has to match exactly with the IRS, the Social Security Administration and the Driver's License Bureau. So your name, they may not be recognizing everything that we have. Our characters may allow for more names to be on there, on your Social Security number and your Social Security card, but it may not match with what's on your driver's license and or what the IRS has. So you need to backtrack and see which ones are, and you can always uh, see about shortening or changing that name on your Social Security card, but I would do that last. I may try to get my name changed at the other, uh, maybe with my driver's license or whatever, to shorten it and keep it where it all matches. And as I said, we're seeing more and more integration with that so that it has to match exactly everywhere for you to be able to conduct business, per se, with those uh, individuals. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Sarah. Uh, Sean, this is producer Liz. I guess I may need to straighten things out because for almost 30 years uh, since I've been married, when I changed my name with Social Security, I put my maiden name as my middle name. But then when we get our IRS information every year, they dropped my maiden name and kept my middle initial. So sometimes I feel like I have alternate identities. And I would suggest that you get what you have on your Social Security card, your name, your maiden name, and your last name, and try to use that exclusively from this day forward 
so that you don't run into that because it pops up at the most inopportune time usually for someone and it may delay a tax return it may delay you getting a driver's license whatever the case may be usually the name is how you want it on your social security card and the way we have it most people have their name correct there not always some people have failed to change their name when they got married or they used a, a middle name when they really wanted to use a maiden name but my only suggestion there is be consistent and go forward from this day forward with consistency so that hopefully it'll prevent any problems in the future. Yeah, and I know my brother had some problems in Arkansas when he went to get his real ID, which that's the gold star on your driver's license, which they pushed back to be effective October 21st, uh, October of 2021. He's a junior, and so he had junior some places and not others. So if uh, Mississippians still hadn't gotten their real ID that the federal government will require by October 30, uh, October of 2021 for uh, airplane travel and other things, uh, this may be an excellent time to get your name all straightened out. Correct. We're talking about Social Security with District Manager Sean Mercer. If you know someone who doesn't speak English, well, they can still learn about Social Security, and we'll tell you how next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're glad you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today we're visiting with Sean Mercer from the Social Security Administration. Uh, the Social Security website is available in 12 languages for those not proficient in English. Just go to ssa.gov. Let's go back to the phones. We'll start with Janice, who's been holding for us. Good morning, Janice. You're on the air with us. Yes, good morning. Um, my question is, if you, if you start receiving your Social Security uh, and then continue to work, is there an adjustment to your uh, monthly uh, uh, benefits that you receive from the uh, from your job that you continue to work, or does it just the the Social Security that they take out does does not go anywhere? Good question, Janice. And the answer is yes, we look at that, and that is on a case-by-case basis for every individual. As I explained earlier with the lady who called, uh, or the uh, previous caller, that we look at your highest 35 years of earnings. So if you continue to work 
and one of those years as you continue to work replaces one of the 35 it does increase your benefit usually we notify you about this time of the year when we talk about the cost of living increase that may uh, be in effect for next year plus we in that letter it may also include uh, a readjustment or recomp of your benefits that increases your benefits by three dollars more a month or whatever the case may be usually it's not a large increase sometimes barely goes unnoticed because it is only one thirty-fifth of the computation that we're looking at but to answer your question specifically it can increase your benefits if it replaces one of the years that we've used in your computation if not the money just goes back into the social security trust funds just like all of our money does and unfortunately as long as you work FICA taxes are withheld out of your Social Security, out of your uh, paycheck for Social Security. All right, uh, thanks for the call. Let's move on next and going to Mitchell in New Albany. Go ahead, Mitchell. Hi, good morning, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm wondering, I heard the uh, answers and questions about getting married and name changes. Uh, my mother-in-law has been divorced for quite some time and is thinking about changing her name back to her maiden name. I was wondering what the process and cost would be. Thank you. Okay, Mitchell, there's no cost. The process is we have to see a court document that changes her name. So there has to be a legal name change. She can't just decide one day I'm Smith and I want to go back to Jones. We have to see a court document or legal name change to be able to do that. A lot of times that's addressed in a divorce uh, document. Sometimes it's not, and they have to go back and get maybe a, a, a legal name change or a, an official document that changes their name, and we could use that. So we have to see that, uh, that legal name change on a divorce decree, and it has to be a document. We don't accept photocopies, so it has to be a certified document, and most divorces are uh, with the Chantry or Circuit Clerk's office in the county where that took place, and they can mail that in. And we would also need something with her name on it uh, currently, so that could be uh, a medical document or a certified hospital record. That way we would see the, we could follow a paper trail as to why and how she's changing her name. All right, uh, we've got about two minutes left. So Daryl in Memphis, we got two minutes for your call. Be quick if you could, please. Yes, sir, I can. Good morning to you. Morning. Well, uh, when when the, do the, uh, uh, the, the Medicare benefits start coming out. Uh, well, it's not a benefit, really. Uh, uh, Medicare billing. When does that start coming out of Social Security check? Okay, Medicare eligibility is two years after you've become disabled or age 65. So, if an individual, I think what you're talking about is if you become, you start drawing your benefits at 62, you will become eligible for Medicare at 65. The month you turn 65, we will start withholding Part B out of your uh, Social Security check. Currently, that is $144.60. Next year, that goes to $148.50, and that would come directly out of your Social Security check each month after age 65. Um, Sean, I just want to follow up on that. Uh, I heard a case recently where someone uh, said they didn't start immediately withholding that, 
uh, but they got a letter a few months later saying, oh, you know, because of your Medicare withholding, you're not going to receive, you know, this month's check or something like that. And it, what it sounded like to me was maybe it was just Social Security Administration missed a few months and went back and had to withhold extra. It, does that happen often or, or what is that? What, what sounds like what's happening there? Without looking specifically at that case, I'm thinking maybe they chose a later month, but they were within their initial enrollment period or special enrollment period where they could go back retroactively. And there is a 90-day window before eligibility and a 90-day window after eligibility. A lot of times someone may miss that date but still be within those 90 days, and by the time it gets processed, they owe four months' worth of premiums because they wanted to go back and choose October 1 as their date of eligibility. And by the time the billing hits, they may owe five or six months' worth of premiums even though they just now chose. So we would really need to look at that specifically to make sure that we coded that and got it correct on there. But I, I, we do see that by an individual that barely gets in under the wire. All righty. That is going to wrap us up for today. Again, Sean, we always appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom about Social Security. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.